The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. This morning, we're going to talk about something near and dear to my heart, which is that you are gifted. So I want you all to just say out loud, I am gifted. Some of you might think that your spouse is lying, but they are not. If you are in Christ, you are gifted. And part of our giftings ties in this passage this morning to one of my other favorite things, which are waves. Anyone here like waves? Okay, if you grew up in Tampa and you're thinking of Anna Maria, you don't know what you're talking about. One of the things that I love, um, I've, as many of you know who know me, I've suffered through life. I've had to live in Southern California. Uh, I've had to live in Hawaii, and now I live here. So I've really suffered far from the salt water. But one of the things that's unique is that, uh, and for those of you who are native Floridians, you know this, you can go to a beach and you spot tourists instantly because they are as red as a freshly steamed lobster. And if you're even on beaches as calm as Anna Maria, you hear the mothers frolicking with fear that their child is going to succumb to these overwhelmingly huge waves. I, I, every time I go without fail, we went this past week, and I, you see these families with little kids, and the moms, sweetie, stay away from the waves. And as someone who grew up in Southern California and lived in Hawaii, I'm like, waves? Where? I'm looking upon the horizon, and the waves they were referring to are these little ankle biter things that just shuffle around sand fleas. They call these waves that were going to suck their children out to the Davy Jones locker. Now, if we don't get today right, we will be tossed about by waves. And I'm not talking about uh, little ankle-biting coquina waves. I'm talking about when I watch tourists come to the island of Hawaii where the waves have been moving for a thousand miles and all of a sudden they collide with the reef and they stack up and they stare down at you with all the anger and force of the Hulk. And on those tourist beaches, the red lobstered people, maybe they grew up in Florida, maybe they grew up in Daytona, and they think, I could handle a wave, I've done this before. They don't realize that this wave has a backbone, and it will pick you up and lift you and throw you and feed you coral sand and laugh at you as it retreats back out. Many of us have been living our Christian lives getting destroyed by waves of doctrine and deceit, And I think in large part it is because we as pastors have neglected to empower you all to find your gifting and calling, which is what we're going to be doing today in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to find out what type of gifts God gives the church, meaning you, not the building, and how we are to work together. So I'm going to pray and we're going to get into this so that we don't get tossed to and fro by the waves. Father, please make your presence known today. Put on a display today of your love and your power. Put on a display today of how you have gifted us to bring one another into deeper and deeper relationship and knowledge and faith in your Son, Jesus. Lord, help those of us who feel like the storms of life are tossing us about. 
to find ballast and foundation. Help those of us in here who don't quite know what we believe. Help, help those of us, Lord, bring all of our questions and doubts to You. God, may this church body be a place where skeptics are welcome, where doubters are loved, where authenticity is at the forefront. Because in all of that, we can know that You love us because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. So now, God, we open Your Word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Spark to life hearts in this room that have been hard and not beating. In Jesus' name, Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. we got a lot to cover today, so I'm just going to jump right into it. If you have my exact same Bible, it's on page 1590. If not, find it in your Bible. You can scroll to it, flip to it. I miss the good old days of people flipping in their Bibles. Now people just scroll with the warmth of God's you version upon their chin. This is the verse for today. Verse 7, we'll start in actually. But God, or but grace, was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. We'll stop right there. I'm, I'm just going to warn you, Corey, I might get loud today. I feel unction. It's an old word. Uh, so here's the picture, you guys. Jesus is on the cross. The thief is dying. His mother is crying. The disciples have run. And in the moment that he dies, we don't have a lot of information. We don't know exactly where he went. We know that he told the thief, today I will be with you in paradise. So we knew that at some point after Jesus died, he went to a place called paradise where that thief also was. And then we read in these weird passages in 1 Peter 3 and 1 Peter 4 and this passage today that it said Jesus descended into the lower regions of the earth. Most scholars tend to believe that this is the place of of death. And there's multiple things we have to think of. First, the Word of God was in heaven. Then He came down in the form of Jesus Christ, the incarnate. It just means in the meat. God with a bod. He lived among us, and then He died. And when He died, it seems then that He went down to the place of death. And those who had trusted in God to deliver them, those who had put their faith in a future Savior, Jesus said, come on, I'm taking you with me. And in my mind, it plays out sort of like a Spartacus 300-ish. He walks down there, boom, come on, let's go, guys. Ah, charges him out. And it says when he led the captives out, when he leads you and I out of captivity to sin and death, he then gives us gifts. Now, who in here loves getting gifts, Right? If you do the five love languages in marriage, I recommend this to couples so that they can figure out what the, how their spouse is wired. There are a lot of people that are like, gifts, my number one. My wife, quality time, gifts. She doesn't care if I write her the best, most verbose poem. If I plagiarize Will Shakespeare, she'd be like, yeah, this is all right. But if I'm like, baby, I got you a pair of boots and I want to hang out with you all afternoon, she'll just be like, oh, my dream man. We all love getting gifts to some extent, some more than others. Today, I want you to understand the gifts that you have gotten. 
the gifts that God has given you and what they are for. Because when Jesus led captives free, he didn't, he didn't charge the gates of hell, break them off the hinges, gather all the people. He didn't come here to die a horrendous death and raise you to life in faith so that he could then say, now that I've given you my presence within you, you know what I want you to do? I want you to sit quietly for 45 to 50 minutes on a Sunday and listen to music and some guy yap about something. And then just go on with your life. No, 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 no. He has gifted every single person in this building. So here are some of the gifts. And I, and I love this. I, I, I could spend more time there, but I really, there's so much in this passage I've got to get to. So verse 11. Here's what he gave. And he gave the apostles. Everyone say apostles. We're going to make one of those little acronyms. And the prophets. Prophets. And the evangelists. The shepherds and teachers. Now, if you were following along or you were a school teacher, you'd realize that if you make a little acronym out of that, it says a pest, which sounds terrible, but we live in Florida, so we're used to pests. I'm a pastor, so I work for pests. That's you guys, but in the best way. And the only reason I say this is because now you'll never forget it, a pest. This is part of the gift that Jesus gives. The, the verses before say he went down, he set captives free, he gave gifts. And now, what kind of gifts might you ask? Here are a few of them. And there are more than these, but in this text, these are what we're looking at today. He gave the apostles. Now, depending on which denomination you grew up in, and we have a, a very diverse church family, some of you may know an apostle. Some of you are like, yeah, my uncle's brother, he was an apostle or a bishop or whatever. It, whereas if you grew up in a different tradition, you're like, no, 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 the apostles are all dead. There was the 12 plus Paul, maybe James because of that one verse, but for the most part, the apostles were those guys that started the church. Now, this is, that's just the, the swing from the charismatic brothers and sisters to the, the Baptist brothers and sisters or the more conservative theological brothers and sisters. Now, here's what I want to say today. Putting that argument aside, I want us to just look at what these words were meaning at this time. The word apostle just meant sent one. It was somebody who was wired to go out and be a missionary. It was somebody, if we're using arrows, and I was going to do the arrows today, but I did something way cooler I'm going to tell you about in the end of the service. It, if you picture an apostle, it's two arrows, each pointing outward. Because the apostles are the can't-sit-still people. They want to create systems. They want to get to know people. They're like, we got to get out. The church has got to move. We've got to reach people. We've got to go, go, go. Those are apostles. Now, I'm not saying that you are going to be like the Apostle Paul, but some of you are hardwired this way. If I said, I want you to just counsel people and sit with people one-on-one, -on -one, you would just start to shrivel up like a prune before my eyes because you're wired to go out by God. You're wired to be on mission. And then we've got the prophets. The prophets are the people, much like you would imagine in the Bible, you have John the Baptist, you've got the Old Testament of prophets. If you're drawing an arrow for prophets, one arrow goes up because the prophets are deeply connected and concerned with who God is and his holiness and his justice. And then there's one arrow down to us because they want to take God and they want to root it to God's people. A modern day, if you're in the Christian culture, a modern day prophet would be like Francis Chan or people that teach like him. They just read the Bible and they say, this is what it says, do it. And for some reason, when Francis says it, people just listen. When I say it, people are like, you're being so mean, because I don't have that natural gifting. But we need prophets. We need people who are going to say, stop 
This is what God said. Aren't you going to obey? Stop doing this. Stop having sex with everybody. Stop getting drunk. Just obey God's word. And, and I get it the more I raise children. I just want them to obey. And I, if you have a secret sauce for that that you can share with me, please share it. Because at home, I am the prophet. I'm like, kids, this is what God says. And if you don't, and I go fully Old Testament, you know, prosperity preachers, they take verses out of context to make your life happier. I take verses out of context to terrify my children. You see this? The Egyptians, they got drowned. In this story, son, you're the Egyptian and I'm Moses. So you go clean your room. We need prophets. <laughs> we, need, we need evangelists. If the, if the apostles are arrows pointing outward, the prophets is arrow pointing up and pointing down, the evangelists are arrows pointing inward. These are the people who are just calling people to come be part of God's family. They can't help it. They're addicted to it. Everything that comes out of their mouth is like, I just want to go meet somebody who's the heathen of heathens because I love hanging out with them and just bringing them in. I love bringing people to see what we're doing. I think this is the best gift because it's one of mine. <laughs> but no, not, not really. It's not one of the best. But we need these people. Now, if I told some of you, let's all, we're all evangelists because I've, here's the thing. I've been at churches that say we're all, we all got to be going out missions, missions, missions. I get that. I've been at the church as the prophet. And it's like, God is this, and we got to do it, just do it or die. I've been at the evangelist churches. And oftentimes the evangelist churches, if they're not guarding their own heart, we call them uh, seeker-sensitive churches. They'll do anything to get people in the door. And I'm okay with that. I want people to come in the door. I want people to hear the good news. I, I, there's a reason why I, I try to write my sermons away, uh, uh, not just alone. Like I'll do my initial prep, and then I want to go out somewhere. Although this week I've been writing my sermons while fishing. So I'm just talking to the fish. But I was like, I'm a fisher of men, fisher of fish. I caught no fish, actually. But, but this evangelist, the arrows drawing people in. Some of you are that. Some of you, so a good thing happens to you, and you just want to tell everybody about it. This is what Jesus is doing. Then we have the shepherds. The shepherds are the compassionate caregivers, the big hearts. These are the people that when you fall down, they're like magically appearing like pixies with gods and like newsborn. Hello, how are you? These are the people that when you're crying, they just are drawn to you. Like crying people and sad people, they have a magnetic pull on shepherds, just like a movie. Just <laughs> Can I pray for you? How can I love you today? Some of you are shepherds. Some of you have a big, bleeding heart to love people. And then there's, the, oh, the shepherd is the arrow that goes in a circle and looks inward because they care for everyone in their pen. And then the teacher. Teacher is someone who takes God's truth, so it's an arrow upward and then an arrow outward. Take God's truth and you communicate it in a way that helps people understand and changes their lives. Now, I believe that the majority of the other spiritual gifts found in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, that they fit under these umbrellas. Now, these gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, are given to the church. And in the very next verse, it says, here's, here's why they were given to the church. To equip the saints, that's all of us, for the work of ministry. So we've got these apests that are here gifted to build all of us up to do the ministry. Now, if we run this through the grid of CEO-type churches, which is what most of us see today, where there's one person that does most of the things, then you're like, well, okay, he's one of the pests. 
or she's one of the, the people that's supposed to do this. And like, Reed does this music, and Ryan does this, and this person does that. But this is all of us working together to build up the body, to do the work of ministry, to proclaim the good news, to care for the poor. And if we all do this together, it alleviates some things. Because here's what I could do. And I'm going to pick on people today. Nobody was pre-told that I was going to pick on them today. And I don't know who attends on any given week because attendance is hit or miss in the summer. So I'm just going to randomly pick on people. If you're an introvert, I pre-apologize that I did this to you. Okay? So let me see here. Justin, introvert, I'm sorry. Now, if I told Justin, Justin, these are the gifts that God gave. I want you to go be an evangelist. I want you to go out there and just start bringing people in. I want you to go talk to strangers and tell them the good news of Jesus. Do you know what he would do? He'd shrivel up like a prune before our eyes. He would melt like those characters in the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Because he's not wired that way. But, but guess how he is wired? And I, I didn't plan any of this. I'm just letting you know. Uh, once again, I'm sorry. Okay. He, he is wired. He is wired to be a shepherd to people. And, and he may not know this yet, but he's wired to teach because I watch people. All I'm doing is watching all the time. All my Facebook stock, and I just catalog the junk out of it. Ooh, this person said that's brilliant. Ooh, this person did this. And then I watch people with their kids, how they direct their kids, how they love their kids. The guy's got a heart as big as his biceps, and that's huge. If you can't see who I'm pointing to. Big heart. Big, caring teddy bear. Now, I'm an evangelist, but I don't care about people. I need Justins around me if I am going to have a shot at actually loving people in a whole building up way. Otherwise, I'll just go and tell them the good news, and if they don't want it, I'm like, fine, done with you. I need someone that's going to come up and say, no, 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 we've got to love people still. And I'm working on this. As a pastor, I'm supposed to do that. So I'm trying to hone these gifts. But none of us have all of these. Some of us have just one of these, or some of us might have one or two and had to cultivate some others. Prophet. Man, those people who are like, this is it. Right, wrong, God, this, boom, bam. Our drummer, Jose. Prophet. Guy will read a passage and say, "Uh uh-uh. You gotta do it. You know what happens though when you get a church full of prophets? You might have the holiness of God proclaimed. But man, people are just getting black spiritual eyes because there's no shepherds around. When you have a church full of evangelists and no teachers, you have people coming and knowing and, oh, God is here, he's amazing, I'm so... But then you start to talk to them and you say something like Trinity and they're like, what's the Trinity? You say something like propitiation, they're like, is that a mustard spread? We need these pieces. But unfortunately, as humans, we're so prone to to just finding people like us and going and saying, I found my camp. I feel safe. Someone sent me a satire post recently about a church, and I think the church, uh, it's either a satire or a sad church. They were actually running a service for introverts where nobody would ever do the greeting. Now, we don't do the typical greeting here, but if you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. Even extroverts dread the greeting. When you say, okay, everybody, meet someone new. And you've been singing to Jesus right behind the person who's like, 
And it's flu season. You've got 13 kids at home. And they're like, oh, nice to meet you. And you're like, no. <laughs> we all hate that. But if you get the evangelist churches, man, they're like, let's just meet more people, meet more people. Let's all go, 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 go. If you're the uh, apostle churches, we got to missions, missions, missions. Now, if we are deficient in any of these, and I promise you, we at the chapel are not deficient of the giftings, but here's where we're deficient. I need to do a better job of empowering and raising up you all with your different gifts to accomplish the things that we are to accomplish. Because we need, we need more gifts on display. I, I met with Laura DeLeonardi. Laura, back there with a the baby. She's one of our many breeders. At least people listen to me. And when I'd say, we're going to grow this church either by evangelism or breeding, you guys need to step up your game. Okay? We hardly have any pregnant people right now. We're going to do a Song of Songs series next. That's, if, you're, if you're not a church person, you're like, what does that mean? Song of Songs is a book about sex. It's brilliant. I love it. I role play it all the time with my wife. Okay. We need, we need people like Laura. I meet with Laura and I say, Laura, uh, you're doing a great job with Agape Moms. What can we do for the women of the chapel? I want all the women to begin to discover who they were wired to be. I want the women of this church to, to get the banner of the good news of Jesus and just march forward with it. So I say, hey, can you just write up a little something for me? But you should never say that to somebody who went to seminary because she sends me back two attachments with a game plan for the rest of the year and then a sermon. I was like, wow. I'm guessing that Laura is a teacher. I'm guessing that she's a shepherd and an evangelist. She's one of those three are one of those, two of those are in her wheelhouse and one of them she's learned because she teaches the agape moms and now she's going to be stepping into a, a role hopefully of, of helping all of the women find out and discover and grow in Christ. We need people who are the apostles. I, I like to go, but I'm not very good at administration, so I just go by myself because it's easier. So last week I said I was going to do this thing where I had you all figure out where you were in this grid. And as I was praying about it and reading, I read all the spiritual gifts passages. I thought, okay, we can't just do these five gifts because there are so many more gifts in the Bible. So here's what I need you to do today. Just make a mental note and I'm going to mention it again. On the chapel's web page or on our Facebook page, there is a spiritual gifts test. I want you to go take it today. There's a youth version, if you don't have a job, if you're like 16, 17, 14, 12, 9, 8, whatever. And then there is a, an adult version. It's about 105 questions and they're multiple choice. I banged it out in about 12 minutes and found out how gifted and ungifted I was. It's humbling when you see what's at the bottom of your list. But don't look at that. Look at the top three. Because I want you to know where you're gifted. And here's why. Here's why, because we're getting to the wave parts. So we are called to to find and equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until, this is verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the reason we need all of our gifts is so that we don't become lopsided Christians, so that we are raised up in unity to the fullness of who Christ is, if we go to a church or if, we're, or if we're in a circle that only has one type of people, 
then we will tend to be lopsided. I've been um, trying to work out. I haven't been doing as great of a job lately. But, but one of the things that I was doing, and I was talking to one of my workout buddies the other day, yesterday, uh, he was giving me tips. He said, here's these full body workouts. Here's what you got to do, man. And I look at this guy, and he's, it's like, he's like one of those Statue of David looking guys that the rest of us are all, like, as men, if you don't know this, we men see ourselves in the mirror differently than women generally. Women look in the mirror and they're like, no, no. Every guy, no matter what shape we're in or how old we are, we're like, well, look at me. I can't believe it. My tries are still surviving from the 80s. We just, we just do this. But then you see someone who's actually that way, and I'm like, dude, I need some tips. Because, man, I'm, I'm doing these exercises and this. And here's the problem with me. Is that I, I'm a nerd. So when I want to learn something, I go read about it. And then I read about it, and I think I know about it. So then I go try to do something based on nerd knowledge. So when you do that working out, here's what happens. You're like, well, you're supposed to work out these muscle groups, back, thighs, tries, thighs, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I go, and I'm just, ah, 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 I do everything so wrong. The next day, I'm like, oh, it's time to wake up and brush my teeth. Because ah, I'm doing it wrong. I'm working out the body wrong. So this guy's like, start with these. Don't do this. CrossFit is silly. Don't do, you know, just all these things. So I'm okay. So now I'm like, slow repetition. Head up. Don't bend my neck. If you pull a bar on your neck, that's a bad idea. I'm learning. He's rounding out me so I don't become a lopsided human. Now, he has, has a gifting in that. That's just in a physiology example. But in a Jesus example, we need one another. We need, we need to find out the giftings we have because check this out. My wife has the gift of administration. My gift of administration is so abysmally low, I think they made it red on the little bar chart. I, I want to go out and lead people to Jesus. Missions, bring them in, go out, get them, drag them in. Which means I don't plan well. I just want to go get someone. And, and I, like, I have the faith. It's like, I, God can do it. And my wife's like, make a plan. And I'm like, God doesn't need a plan. We are the plan. Jesus is the plan. Let's go. And it's good that he latched me onto her. Because as I'm just running, she's back there planning. Because if I don't have her, what happens is I just run really fast. And like a lot of these babies that were born recently that are learning to walk, I love the Facebook videos, by the way, adorable. But what happens is this. I just start running. Like the first time that kid lets go of the coffee table, and then three steps away from safety and security, they realize their head has a gravitational force that is not sustainable by their toothpicks. And they just go, boo. It's my favorite. It's the only reason I want to have another kid is just to watch that and film it again. I do that, I just run, run, but when I have administration people around me, when I have Edwin, I mean, guy's off the charts administration, he sees 500 emails and he's like, breakfast, I see 500 emails and I'm like, run, so I need someone like that, my wife and, and Edwin, you're like my, my Miriam, uh, not your, not Miriam, you're Miriam, sorry, and, and you're uh, Aaron, Joshua, whichever one, holding up my arms, running, and they paved the way. You guys need those in your life. Some of you have that in your marriage. Some of you are thinking, the reason my husband and I fight is because our spiritual gifts are on the opposite spectrums. 
But instead of saying, gosh, I can't stand it. My, my wife or my husband, she's so much faith, so much slow in organization. They just want to pray and discern things and learn things. I just want to go have fun and meet people and lead them to Jesus. It's so easy to look at other people's giftings and say, not as good as mine. And I'm here to say that we need to look around at all of our giftings and say, man, I need every one of them. And we don't just need a few. I don't just need a group around me. You need a group around you. You need a group around you that's going to walk with you and call you out and inspire you to be who God has called you to be. Because the evangelist can't be the evangelist as efficiently if he doesn't have, with him or her, the apostles to give organization in the sending and the teachers to take those who are evangelized and bring them into an understanding and the shepherds to care for those who are hurting. Every small group ideally should have that. Every family, it's so beautiful if you can have that even within an extended family. I don't make my kids take the spiritual gift test because only one of them can really read well. But man, was I plotting on them this week. Well, you're this, you're that, you're this. I don't know what you are. But do it with your spouse. Sit down today and take the test. Just hop on your computer, thechapelfh.org, and right there in the middle, little button, spiritual gifts test. 15 minutes. And the cool thing is that I'll get a copy, and if you're like, that is not cool, just email me later and say, hey, don't look at my results. And I'll write back and say, I already did. Because <laughs> I want to know you and how you're gifted so that I can empower you and give you opportunities to use the gifts God has given you to make this family a healthy family. Because if we don't do this, then look at what happens next. So we want to grow up into mature maturity in Christ, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. The reason we need to do this is so that we can be rooted in truth. Because we will all tend to err in some ways. Anyone that says, I have all the truth and I know it perfectly, just walk away from them. Because there's only one person, one being that has all the truth because they are truth. And that's Jesus. There are doctrines nowadays that drag people away from the church and grieve my heart. There are versions of Christianity that lead people to believe that their way is superior. And there is a right way, you guys. There is true belief. It's everything that I believe. I'm sure I'm going to get to heaven. And as I, I used to say when I was younger, I have all these questions. I'm first, I'm going to go to Jesus. Like there's not going to be a waiting line for that guy. And then I'm going to go to Paul and ask him about this verse in Romans. Like obviously, once again, waiting line. And then Elijah, like, dude, did this chariot burn you? What's up with that? It's so cool. But, but here's what I think. I think that we need to hold on to the core of Christianity and be willing to admit that maybe I'm out of balance somewhere because I need other people around me who are gifted differently for me to speak truth into my life, and so do you. And if we don't have those people, if all we have are people exactly like us, then we'll begin to think, wow, look how right I just am. My way must be the way of all geniuses. And if you don't believe that this happens, just rewind the political clock 10 months. Because 
Facebook with all their foolish algorithms and creepy spying technologies made it so all the people who posted like you, agreed like you, wrote things like you, were the ones that showed up in your newsfeed. So it didn't matter where you were, it was like a, an echo chamber of everything that you agree with. We should not agree on everything in this family. I personally need you to not agree with everything I say. And that is okay. You can come to me and say, I don't agree that this is how that is when I say something from the pulpit. I, I want to know. I want to be sharpened. And you should invite people into your life to do likewise. Otherwise, these waves will toss you. You'll be like that tourist, lobster red, trying to jump over a wave in Hawaii that's been traveling since Japan. And you will be destroyed by it. Now here is how we do it. Rather, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, Jesus, who is the head, for whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, this makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this verse right here, speaking the truth in love, if you grew up in the church, you've heard this verse. Because anytime somebody that grew up in the church says, hey, brother, I'm just speaking the truth in love. Brace yourself. They're about to hit jerk level one million. They're, this is the Christian way of being mean. Hey, uh, you know, I, I, know, I just want to speak in the truth in love. Bah! And you're like, thanks for the spiritual beating. So next time somebody does this to you that you know was here on this Sunday, just gently take your finger, if you're here and this is them, and they say, just speak in the truth and love. And you just mush their lip. And when I grew up, we called it mushing, where you just grab their face and you push them. Yeah, it's the hood section again. You just grab their face, push them. It's called mushing. You mush them. It was severe disrespect. But it's disrespectful to use this verse this way. But here's the crux of this verse. How do we build each other up? We speak the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So in this verse, we want to speak Jesus as we have come to understand him. Speak Jesus in love into one another. And this will make us grow up in every way. If in our giftings that we have, we are administrators, we're wise, we're knowledge, we we have spiritual gifts of miracles, tongues, whatever you have on that little test, you then... Begin to learn and grow. Now, the test isn't conclusive. Once you get the results, run it by your your spouse and friends. Say, hey, does this sound right? And there's descriptions on what they all mean. But once you get that, then you say, okay, I'm going to use my gifts to speak Jesus into the lives of one another in love so that we can grow up into Jesus by whom we are all joined together. And when the whole body is working properly, it builds itself up in love. So here's how you can tell if a church is healthy. Look around at how people love each other. Because if people aren't growing in love for one another, if you're not seeing random acts of kindness and charity, if there's not people stepping up to help other families when they're in need, then we may not be loving each other well. We may not be operating in our gifts and speaking Jesus into each other so that we know him more, believe in him more. This is what we are called to do. Speak the truth about what God has done for us in Jesus in a loving way 
so that we can grow up. Here's the prophet in me, and this part of me rears its head from time to time. Although I do get accused of being the grace guy very often, I need you to know that at some point, you just got to grow up in faith. At some point, you got to get out of the kiddie pool of faith and stop tinkering around with playing Bible Russian roulette. At some point, this book has to grow beyond just something that is an ornament, and it's got to be a pointer and a signpost to the life-giving God of the universe who loves you and gifted you and died for you. None of us in real life, as adults, play in the kiddie pool. You know why we don't? Because kids, right? There is no chlorine that can change the color green. I'm serious. Yet, in our spiritual lives, so many of us are content to just play in the kiddie pool. And that pool has been green for far too long in the church in the West. So today, all I'm asking, my hope, my hope, and this is like such a pessimistic, faithless hope. I'm gonna, I need to up this hope. My new hope <laughs> is that we'll get at least 100 people to take the spiritual gifts test from the chapel website. And the only reason I'll know is because it, it tells me how many people are taking it. Because if I can't get you to do that, then I won't know how you're gifted. I won't know how to help you get plugged in. I won't know how to, well, let's be real. My administration gifts are like low in the totem pole. I won't know how to give your names to Edwin and Laura to help you guys get plugged in. (laughs) But I want to. Because I need you to grow healthy spiritually. And you need me. And you need the person sitting right behind you, whether you knew it or not. So let's all press in today and begin to discover how God has wired us and gifted us to be part of a family. And if you're new here, if this is your first Sunday, you're like, what? I don't want to join this crazy family. I was listening. If I caught on correctly, you said that there's Republicans and Democrats. You said that there's people that speak in tongues and people that think tongues are dead. You said that I've got to be kind to people I disagree with. This is not for me. If, that, if everything I've said today terrifies you, just run. But know as you run, I'm praying that the Spirit of God lassos your ankle. Because I want to see a church that grows in diversity. And a church where we learn to speak the truth in love so that we will then be known by our love for one another. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are good in an astonishing way. That you would save us is remarkable. That you would kick in the hinges of Hades and free your people. Those who call on your name from death and sin is remarkable. But then that you would gift us. That you would give us divine spiritual gifts. That you would put your spirit within us so that we can do things that are God things. This is, it's so mind-blowing to me sometimes, God, I, I... I feel unworthy, but I'm grateful. So now, Lord, let us remember the sacrifice. Let us discover how we are gifted and let us press into 
our role to play in the church family in a way that will lead others to come and know you. God, this is all for you. In Jesus' name, amen.